This is TSN 1200. Welcome back to the show. Just joining us, welcome to it. It is 714 here on a Friday morning. J.R. Simmer, Matty Val sitting in for Hammer, who begins his holiday uh, today. Maybe get an update on uh, whether the minivan is actually at the rental place or not. <laughs> uh, I think he's supposed to pick it up at 830 this morning. And uh, for those wondering, the coffee, excellent, Matty. So uh, it's all, and a well-needed, well-caffeinated crew this morning based mm-hmm. on uh, last night's uh, late night with the Sens, which a uh, game wrapped up around... Guy hit the rack about twelve forty-five. Wow, like that. that is dedication right there, Jer. Uh, well, if it if it had gone, you know, one way or the other, like if it turned into a blowout, yeah, I, I yeah, was out. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, uh, kudos also to uh, Sen Superfan. Yeah, uh, up late last night, she's got an early. She has six a.m. wake up oh, for work. Wow. Okay, that is today. solid. She yeah. was now. Yeah. Uh, I said uh, now her boyfriend. Who she's kind of made into a Sens fan. Okay. Uh, I said, uh, you know, is uh, is Josh uh, staying up as well at his house? He went to bed after the second period. Oh wow! So wow. I don't know what this might mean for the future of the relationship. Yeah. Didn't yeah. really want to touch on it. Uh, Probably not a great a late time, hour, but hey, uh, that's not the dedication you want in a partner. Hey. Well, I didn't. You know, again, yeah. I don't want it. Uh, it's yeah. I, it's it's tender territory. Yeah, right now. no, it is. But also, hey, uh, for productivity within the city itself, that's a sign of uh, hey dedication and where the sends are at right now. And I guess you look forward to. Sunday night now a nine o'clock start not as much in the uh, Edmonton game on Tuesday nine o'clock also as well, nine yeah yeah so eleven yeah. so um, thirty that's not bad well, at mean, least you have the buy in and I go back to the Hamburglar run uh, I think there were a lot of people that did not bother uh, when they went to the California swing and I think the L A Kings game was an afternoon game but I think Anaheim and San Jose were late at night more like okay let me check the score in the morning uh, and then all of a sudden they picked up some steam uh, still have a lot of people that are truly believing and. Mm. Like I've said many times too, I I believe that this group uh, is not looking at wanting to be close. I, I think their motivation absolutely is we want to be a playoff team, and that was a great start last night. Well, I think for the fan base, I think it's just nice to have games to care about after the All Star. Oh, big time! Or after big the time. Uh, after the trade deadline, yeah, absolutely. This is something that we haven't seen for the past six years. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, yeah. the the Sens have been. Selling off uh, pieces far out of it. These, you know, the games at the end of the season were a season were completely meaningless. It was just like let's let's get this slog over with and get to another off season and see what changes are going to be made. It's just nice for people to have games to care about, whether they're played seven p.m. or eleven p.m. or whatever. I just uh, yeah. I just care about uh, yeah. continuing to watch my favorite hockey team play. Quote, meaningful game. Yeah, and I think up until last year, at least for myself, hey, that's part of the process. I had no expectation last year, again, with a slow start. And then the other part, hey, simple realization, guys, and big part about sports, and especially here in Canada, it's a nice draw through the winter, right? And who doesn't like positive news? The years that you had the Hamburglar run, or they made it to the playoffs and played Montreal the first time around, where, hey, this is a really nice thing to look forward to, to have a little positivity in your life, and uh yeah, I think that's a major, major draw for a lot of people as this winter continues to drag on. Uh, congratulations to Trent Krajewski. Did I get that right, Matty? I believe so, yeah. Uh, you I'm don't sure have that, to try and spell it. Listen, as a guy whose uh, last name is normally uh, mispronounced as well, I'm sure uh, Trent is uh, is used to it. So, Trent, if I botched that uh, yeah. a little bit, I apologize. But, uh, hey, you've scored yourself a pair of tickets. Our last pair of beat-the-box office tickets to see KISS. Coming to a Canadian Tire Center on November the 21st. It's never too early to start planning what you're going to be doing on a Tuesday night in November. Uh, but if you are a big KISS fan, tickets for the show go on sale 
uh, this morning at 10 a.m. through Ticketmaster. Now, what's interesting uh, is that Peter Gabriel tickets go on sale today as well, I believe, at 10 a.m. Also through Ticketmaster. Like, there's not another, Maddie, uh, you're a big music guy. Not another place uh, like uh, Peter Gabriel doesn't have his own ticket agency, does he? Not that I'm aware of. So Ticketmaster has the monopoly. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, and my Bruce Springsteen tickets were quite pricey. Are they? A result? Uh, oh, I, I thought Bruce Springsteen controlled his own, Maddie. No? no, I don't think anyone no. does oh, anymore. Okay, okay, they used okay. to, and now it's gotten okay. real out of hand. Because a gentleman was in for Blues Fest, and I asked him about Bruce Springsteen, and he just said, "Hey, he keeps all the gate. There's no uh, no playing around here. It's his show. Uh, he takes all the money from that, and then you kind of get the rest. So that's interesting." Given how things, and I'm not here to suggest for a second, uh, uh, here in Ottawa, the demand collectively for Kiss and Peter Gabriel will hit what Taylor Swift would be in the United States. Yeah, I'm yeah. not, but that melted down uh, Ticketmaster. Remember that a few months ago to the point where what now Ticketmaster was called in front of Congress, and uh, you know people are wondering about is a monopoly a good thing, yeah, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. So uh, anyway, if you're looking to get tickets. Uh, be patient. We'll put yeah. it that way. There was a little uh, moving around or driving around yesterday, Jaron. There was a little Peter Gabriel on the radio, and we had discussed that after the show. And uh, you almost forget, uh, as you mentioned, how big his catalog is. But some of his real, uh, I wasn't a big sledgehammer guy, but there were a lot of real nice tunes as they were playing. Tasty uh, tunes. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, kind of took you back of uh, not even remember. Now, I thought he was a member of Led Zeppelin, so obviously not as big a fan as you are, but... <laughs> I know. By the way, yeah. okay, um, I and I, I first of all, I think the Peter Gabriel uh, tour announcement came right out of the blue for everybody, right? Okay. Nobody had yeah. Uh, yeah. It, well, he didn't play at Ottawa in thirty-five years. I don't even know how much he's he it, it toured. I I don't remember the last time Peter Gabriel yeah. was yeah. Yeah. was on tour in this area, if at all. So it came right out of the blue, uh, and I'm kind of like, and at Dave Poulin's recommendation, yeah. who saw yeah. him five years ago, so because I, I said, listen. I like good rock. Like good, I like good rock and roll, man. Uh, whether it's new stuff or old yeah, stuff or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I'm not into nostalgia rock where the guys can't hit. Uh, guys are they can't hit the notes anymore. Yeah, right. For sure, I, I, for sure. I, I yeah. just I don't I can't I don't want that. So I don't want to go see that. And he goes five years ago. Can't say for today. Yeah. Five years ago, Peter Gabriel could still hit hit all the notes. Still do everything. So. Uh, this is just a word of the wise. If you're really really interested in uh, in going to see Peter Gabriel, what I did is. I joined the fan club, which was free, and that gave you access to oh, buying tickets. Oh, nice. So I got tickets. Are you getting a t-shirt in the mail or anything? Uh, no, I don't get nothing, but no. it didn't cost me anything either, which is, uh, if I if it had cost me any money, yeah, I probably would have said no. Yeah, yeah. I kind of got to hold the line on that part of it. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but it was just kind of, hey, sign up here, and uh, okay, and you get an email, and the email said, okay, go here and then uh, pick the venue, okay? Uh, Canadian Tire Center, September the 9th, Saturday night. Oh. Saturday night show, so uh, I'm all in. Yeah, that's awesome. I did yeah. the old. Speaking of pricey, <laughs> <laughs> I did the old verified fans to try and get the Springsteen tickets, and had a, a few friends. We got a code. Uh, some friends didn't, and yeah, hot ticket. I feel like Peter Gabriel. There probably wasn't people missing out who tried to get in on the presale. Um, but what uh, did the uh, Springsteen end up running, Maddie? I think the tickets were just under 400 each. Oh, yeah, it's not cheap. But. Yeah, but and I know you've I heard you mention and you've seen him before. I think for a lot of people, if you have not, um, hey, he's coming towards the end, you think. So bucket list, I guess it would be well worth it. Right? Exactly. And and my wife has never seen him live. Okay. And so seeing him with the E Street Band, mm-hmm. if you can, yep. 
Uh, I'm I'm pumped to go see him again. I've seen and, him three times, and he's 73 years old. He actually yeah. canceled his concert last night or two nights ago, um, which never happens for Springsteen. So I'm not suggesting that's going to happen. <laughs> hey. of us. Don't put that evil on wow. me. Could hey. be just an illness. <laughs> yeah. Not quite yeah. sure. But uh, didn't anyway. the uh, original lead of the E Street Band pass away a number of years ago as well? A couple of E well, Street. Clarence, Clarence Clem- Clemens. Yeah. Okay, yeah. His yeah. nephew, Jake, okay, is okay. in the E Street band now. Yeah. And uh, they've, they've bolstered the horn section. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know one of, I think it's Danny Federici, although if I'm wrong, all the uh, Steeners are going to be very mad at me. But I know one of his keyboard players passed away years ago as okay, well. Okay. But Max is still there. Uh, little Steven um, from The Sopranos, still there. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Mm-hmm. What's that? What, that is no. That's November again. I believe so. I can't even remember. Yep. It's it's not for a long time. That's pretty cool when you can do that though, and think of the cash that comes in. And obviously, that cash is working for you for quite some time. But the fact that you can do this in such advance and still have the excitement, because I think most of us live in a society where, hey, a concert coming up here. It should better be next week or next month or yeah. And so yeah, the fact that you can do this. Uh, seven months out, or well, ten months out is pretty cool. Well, I'm going to two shows at Blues Fest. Bought tickets for two shows at Blues Fest as well. Like I, I'm just pumped to be able to go to shows again. Yeah, that I agree. So yeah. like, and I really enjoy going to yeah. outdoor concerts yeah. and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like I don't mind. I, I indoor is fine too. Yeah, but yeah. the indoor you get to with the thing of uh, people are people are standing up or people are sitting down, and it's kind mm-hmm. of this constant mm-hmm. sort of thing. Outdoors. Well, actually, I can't say that. You bring your lawn chair? No, no. But outdoors, it's expected everybody's standing. All right? So there's 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 none of that kind of, what's the guy in front of you doing? What's the guy, you know? I The last time I when I saw, went and saw the Killers there a few years ago. And what an awesome show they put on. had the great uh, sea of people behind yeah. me that weren't very happy. Oh, yeah. Sort of blocked the yeah, yeah, you're not, you you yep. got to be getting the back. I getting the back guy. Slouch, <laughs> slouch down a little uh, bit. But when you also, when you're there on a night when the sun is just setting, and then you've got the beautiful clear sky, uh, and I'm not to mention that we're very fortunate. Low humidity there. Hey, that's uh, that's utopia, concert utopia on some of those uh, Ottawa summer nights. Uh, Trent has just uh, texted in at twelve twelve hundred. Who just won the tickets? Said thanks for the kiss tickets, guys. Jr. You nailed the pronunciation of my last name. So that's thank solid. you. Yeah. That's from Trent, who is going to rock and roll all night and party every day. So congratulations to Trent. All right, let's get to the game. 724 sends out a late-night game in Seattle last night, maybe. Some people uh, just joining the show right now who stayed up to watch the entire thing, or maybe you slept through the entire thing, like Simmer did. It was a very, it was a roller coaster ride last night uh, as the Sands uh, got out to an early lead, including another goal for Jake Chikrin. Mir Stutzla to the line and in, gets in, takes it wide, turns back in front for Holden, taps it back, scores! Chikrin blows it top shelf, two, nothing Ottawa. More offense from the defense as Jacob Chikrin goes upstairs. There you go. Set up by Nick Holden, who had a pair of uh, who assisted on both of the first two goals. And I know there was consternation uh, uh, in the Twitterverse about the decision by DJ Smith to address uh, Nick Holden over Eric Brandstrom. Al, uh, based on the first two goals, of which Nick Holden is right in the middle of both of them, mm-hmm. seemed like a pretty good decision. Yeah. Oh, and then Patrick Brown, the other new guy to the lineup, 
uh, from the team that lost on uh, Monday night in Chicago. He scored a th- the third goal of the night. So Ottawa was up three uh, to nothing, and it seemed like everything DJ Smith touched lineup-wise was turning to gold, and it was the Sens that were going to rebound. Well, not so fast, because uh, uh, Seattle got a shorthanded goal to make it 3-1. to one. In the second period, they scored two more to tie it to, at uh, 3-3. Early in the third, and I'm sure many people who are watching or listening at that time are going, when Seattle scored early in the third, you're going, I cannot believe the Sens are going to have blown a 3 nothing lead. Is this going to mm-hmm. torpedo the uh, playoff chase? Well, within 38 seconds, this happened. Down to the line. Brady Kachuk tried to tip it across to Stutzler, but the play is broken up, and now here's Alexiak with it. To the corner, tries to clear it. Stutzler knocks it down, sends it in front. Giroux scores! Giroux over the shoulder to tie the game at four. There you go. There's uh, Dean Brown with the call. You know that it's an important goal when you can hear the in-arena announcer, <laughs> announcer still announcing the goal by the home team, which was in that case uh, the 4-3 goal uh, when Giroux bounced back. Very next shift, Simmer. Cannot overstate the importance after Ottawa had blown the big lead of them getting uh, the tying goal right back in the next shift. And uh, as we all know, well, we don't know, you may not know, Alex Dabrinkat <laughs> yeah. scored the game winner uh, off a bit of a broken play, uh, but the game winner with just over two to play, and Ottawa won 5-4. to four. Yeah, and I think symbolic of Claude Drew and what he's done since he's come in, JR, as you said, hey, key goals. The other night against Columbus, it's one nothing. The building's rocking. All of a sudden, boom, it's 1-1. Uh, and obviously, they won going away. But that one right there, yeah, it's really important because you do have a younger team. You do have the psychological part of a lot of these players have never really been in a winning situation in the National Hockey League. So, yeah, I can't say enough about. And also, when you watch Ottawa and you see the goals that were scored against you, Outside of that fourth goal, it wasn't a whole lot of puck luck. I mean, Seattle was very fortunate to score the goals they did, going off of defenders, going off people in front. But for Giroux, just to set that, get it back to even, and then you almost say to yourself, hey, if you ended up going to overtime and you still get a point or you go to a shootout, you feel pretty good about yourself. But they didn't need that. They ended up scoring 5-4. So that was a uh, yeah monster goal by uh, Claude Giroux. Uh, here's DJ Smith on his team not losing composure after blowing the lead. We were calm on the bench. It, it wasn't a lot of panic. I mean, I think it was a little bit of, you know, what happened. Kind of it happened so quickly. Um, but I just thought we checked real hard in the third. I mean, um, you know, when you're playing a team on the road, you know, they've got their crowd, their great crowd, and a lot of speed. Um, they kept coming at us, but I, I, I thought we stayed with it. There you go. There's DJ Smith. You can yeah. he- hear yeah. his uh, thoughts on the game in their entirety on our website at tsn1200.ca. And it almost feels like Seattle, and it's kind of we've tried to solve the problem here in Ottawa, JR, at the Red Blacks. It feels like one of those buildings. First of all, Seattle's super friendly. Uh, most of the fans there are probably on something, so they're very mellow. Well um, caffeinated. Yeah, very well, and also very relaxed. But yeah. they're just getting to know hockey. It's a beautiful building. It is one of the most beautiful cities on the planet. And oddly enough, it has, their home record is not very good. And I think for a lot of teams, a lot of sports, we say that now, it's a pretty level playing field. And I think Ottawa, like everybody else, hey, this is pretty cool, pretty exciting for anybody that has not played in that building to go out there. And uh, again, last night, Ottawa was able to capitalize. And, and just from what happened Monday night, uh, this is exactly what you were hoping for, a strong start. Now you lost the lead, so be it. But you end up going there and getting a couple of points. And I think that's a real nice reset. Uh, for the team after Monday night and for the previous week that they won five in a row and had the big trade for Jake, uh, big trade for Jake Chickren. And what we're seeing with Jake pretty quickly is uh, his goals and his ability to jump into the play, JR. He has some really uh, offensive instincts that are hard to teach. Like you can see where he hits the holes, hits the seams, and 
has a nice little wrist shot as well. Uh, well and I also think, and uh, we spoke about this in the uh, in the first mm-hmm. hour, that not only he, and obviously, uh, um, you know, that's that's part of Shabbat's uh, DNA to yeah. uh, to go for it, and Jake Sanderson as well. Um, that the rest of the defense from uh, from Zub to uh, Hamannick, we saw that when he scored the uh, two games, uh, the two goals in the one game, including yeah. the one where he's down in front of the net, and and Nick Holden last night on both of the goals yeah. that he assisted on the first two goals of the game. Uh, he was right down into the offensive. This is not him making the, you know, getting the second assist, mm-hmm. passing uh, the puck to the forward in his own zone. Like these were, these were uh, down in the offensive zone, uh, making plays. Here's Nick Holden on uh, the D, making contributions to the O. Yeah, I mean, I think the NHL now, uh, the defense has to contribute. They have to be joining rushes and uh, extending plays. And so I think, obviously, like any team in the league, uh, whenever the D are, are contributing, it, it bodes well for their team. Uh, I don't know whether there was a specific time during this season, and, and I think it's happened fairly recently. Maybe I just have started noticing it, but I watch the games fairly closely. There is no doubt in my mind that the coaching staff has told, you know, the I'll, I'll say the more defensive-sided uh, side of the, of the, uh, of the defensemen, that they need to be involved in the game more offensively, and and, and not just I'm not just talking about standing on the point firing shots. I'm yeah, talking about yeah. getting down deep in front of the other team's net because if done well, first of all, you got to make sure you got coverage from your forwards covering for you, but that creates a lot of odd man situations and in the offensive zone, and it also creates a lot of potential for confusion in terms of coverage. Yeah. Well, right? the, how, how, yeah. how much of yeah. and how, how many times have we talked about Ottawa being confused in its own end? over the past few years. And in a lot of cases, it's yeah. been the defenseman as the fourth guy in where it's like, why is no one covering that? Well, no. we're starting to see that now. At least I've noticed it a lot in the last 10 to 15 games from Ottawa where the Zubes, the Holdens, yeah. the Brandstroms, and the Hamannicks of the world are starting to get involved deep into the uh, offensive zone. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Jerry. And you go back to 05 and the rule change, it is really, and one of the things on the negative side, and we isolate a guy like Drake Batherson a lot, it's not easy for the wingers. You know, you think about the three-on-three three down low, and they have softened it a little bit. You can do a little bit of hooking and holding. You're going to the net, right? You can get a body position. The minute the D activate, whether you're set up in the zone or off of the rush, it's really hard to pick them up. And then the confusion of either people switching off or crossing up and everything else is, yeah, it makes it really tough. And one thing I wonder with Thomas Shabbat guys, and, you know, again, there are offensive instincts there. One of the things with him playing so many minutes in, in other times, he doesn't hold the play very long when he hops in, right? His thought is when he enters the zone is, I'm going to make kind of a soft play and then I got to get back. And also when he hits the hole, he doesn't hold it like when you watch Chikrin. And, and that'll be interesting to see whether he adjusts on that, JR, because you don't see him get a ton of chances off the rush, you know? And, and can you realize, hey, slow down a little bit. You don't have to rush it. Don't be in such a rush to all of a sudden make a play and get back or you don't feel like the play's happening. And even you watch Chikrin there, first of all, to hold the high slot, but to also get the shot off right there, that, that's really important to kind of hold your pattern. So I wonder if instinctively that Shabbat will read off of that and the fact that his minutes have come down, whether or not at even strength, we can see him generate a little bit more offense. All right, some text at 12-1200 on the game. I don't care how good of a year Brady or Stutzla are having. Giroux has been the MVP of the team this season, and without him, they wouldn't be in the playoff race. That's from... Crosby, do you agree with that? Do you do you do you think? Oh, wow! Encompass everything, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Leadership point of view, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah. 
do you consider Claude Giroux to be the MVP of the team this year? Uh, you know what? And maybe that'll be a poll question, Jer. I'm not sure. Um, to be quite honest with you, I'd go with Stutza. Uh, to me, he has driven the play. Strong opinions uh, brought to you by No Hesitation. Exactly. So I'm going to go with Timmy Stutza. Um, but the combination of having Giroux, uh, and I look at his play, I look at his movement, I look at his leadership. Well, here's one thing. Who's had a bigger impact on the hockey club? Giroux or Debrinkit as far as the big free agent signings that are the players in the summer? Oh, Giroux all day long. But I'd still go with Timmy Stutza. What about you? Uh, yeah. You <laughs> no know, hesitation. I, no, no, no. Yeah. You know, if basically you're saying if this person wasn't on the team mm-hmm. and somebody else was, who's yeah. the more important player to the team? Yeah, if you lost a player. Cause that's, yeah. And we were talking about that. I think it was brought up yesterday with Pooley as far as Kaprizov, right? Like, who is the true MVP of the Auto Centers this year? And to me... When I think about Norris going out, and, and, and man, it's close because Brady Kachuk's been good, but like Timmy Stutzla has grabbed a hold of this team. Like we're, There is no plan B for the center ice. I mean, Pinto has been a placeholder, um, yeah. so I'll go Pinto, but, but helping. And Drew has also moved around a fair amount, right? It's not like that line has been set the whole year, um, but I'm also very respectful of that. But at the end of the day, Timmy Stutzla's evolution is the real reason that even Brady Kachuk's having the year that he's having. I uh, I would agree with you, but the fact that, that you you know we all have to think about it yeah, hesitate yeah, yeah. that was not necessarily the case for a lot of the last of the five seasons where it's no like, who's the MVP of the team it's uh, <laughs> yeah. mostly would have been yeah. Chuck probably right yeah but there was like insto answer oh yeah right yeah. away and there was no debate and it was no. like yeah of course that's the answer this year legitimately uh, and I think it is among those three I don't know that there's anybody else right now that's uh, that's even close no actually to be honest with you but you could I could say if I was part of the high school debating team yeah where you don't get to pick what side you're on. You just <laughs> said, you're on this side, formulate your, your debating points, and yeah. let's go after it. Yeah. I could legitimately debate each of the each of those three options. For oh, sure. you should go with a poll question then. Um, and because you could say, hey, leadership of Brady Kachuk, the cap and the power forward, evolution of Stutzla, and then also the part about Giroux. And, and this is the case. And, you know, you funny. You think about the discussion last year between Debrinken and Fiala. You know, Fiala's gone in L.A. and had a hell of a year. But not often, JR, do free agent signings work out. And not often is it the dream signing of bringing a guy home. I don't know how many bad players we brought into the Leafs at the end of their career, like Eric Lindros and Jeff O'Neill. And, you know, it just didn't work. So this, to me, hey, when you sign a guy like this, you're wondering where he's at. You certainly gave him some term and premium dollar. Um, he has come in and been everything that you pray for when you're trying to go next level as a hockey club and not only on the ice but off the ice and all the other stuff that's kind of pulling this group along to not be satisfied with just being close to a playoff spot. Be satisfied that if he got into the playoffs. Matty Vals, instant Lo- opinion brought to you by <laughs> No Hesitation. <laughs> Love what Claude Giroux's done for the team this season, what he's been able to do on the faceoffs. Although he lost a couple uh, with the uh, Kraken goal empty last night. Uh, of course, he Still got the broadcast. Yeah, but he got the broadcast jinx where... They're like, he's 14 and four, and then he immediately loses two of them. Yeah. Um, but I love what he's done. But for me, it's Stutzla as well. And I, I think when you lose Norris for the season the way you did, uh, what he's been able to do down the middle and uh, the, the next step he's taken, morphing into Jimmy Superstar, um, I, I, I think that for me, it's, it's Tim Stutzla. Right, I'm with you, Simmer. Funny. Like, Brady Kachuk seems like maybe the third choice, and he was. Yeah. The no doubt about it, number one choice, probably for what each of the last four seasons. Yeah, yeah, and you also, uh, yeah, and you also talk about a power play that's been so good, and we're not talking about Thomas Shabbat or 
mentioned in Batherson or anybody else on that. So yeah, I mean, to me that has been, and I guess it's also the dynamic duo that you have, and we've talked about the trio, uh, and it is actually Sanderson, but in trying to build a hockey team, uh, it's kind of everything you'd ask for, and Claude Drew has been a real nice compliment uh, to whoever he's played with, and we talked about Tapuli as well, JR, talking about, uh, hey, coming off of a first power play, you know, he's at the end of his career, he's all about winning. This guy has been one of the better power plays, you know, players in the league for the last 15 years. And to come to Ottawa on a you know what was a bad team and not even be on the first unit uh, tells you all you need to know about where his priorities are at. T Box writes, I agree that uh, Giroud to me has been the MVP. That's from T Box. All from right, un- from unsigned. I watched the Seattle feed of the game last night. They were commenting on Shabbat never shooting, and that the Kraken were playing him to not shoot. Uh, so nice. This trade deadline's come from unsigned to be buying instead of selling all our UFAs for late round picks. We've turned the corner, boys and have something to play for. Uh, re- uh, this comes from Derek in Trail, BC. Derek, my goodness, it's 4.38 in the morning. Wow. Uh, really like uh, Joseph's game last night. Used his speed more than usual. Guys uh, held on with some great desperation defense at the end. Uh, see you in Calgary. That's from Derek in Trail, BC. Yeah, that's awesome. And absolutely, uh, we've noticed that with Matthew Joseph. Now, I'd like to see him score a goal at even strength. But the play, and he had the nice play going to the net and... Uh, you know, wasn't able to score, but there's been some positive things. And as far as Thomas Shabbat, oh, it's absolutely the case on the power play. And and it's not the worst thing at times in a sense of you want a guy that can walk the line, distribute the puck, but yeah, you know, all of his body position right now is quite simply, you can see he's a, a distributor. He's not trying to put himself in a shooting position whatsoever. Sudsy in the pothole has an issue, and Maddie, you can weigh in on this. The icing that was called on the Sens where the puck never reached... So Brutal. Kachuk is racing with uh, the the Seattle defenseman, and uh, I'm pretty sure the puck would have gotten to the icing line, maybe, maybe, but we don't know because <laughs> it was whistled before it got there for an icing, which the Sens bench was upset with. Does it not have to cross the icing line, the goal line, to be icing, sir? Oh, you know, as far as the race? Um... No, no, I mean, the actual no, the, the no, puck no, itself yeah. it was like... I think the Seattle guy was going to win yeah, the race. Yeah, that's I a great think. point. Yeah, yeah, but it actually, yeah. and I, but I don't know for sure yeah. that the puck was going to cross the goal line before the Seattle defenseman, who is doing his best. I'm skating as hard as I can back for it, yeah. but I'm really not skating as hard as I can because yeah, I yeah. want this to be an icing impression. Yeah, so. no, it's a great point because generally it will be. I, I guess you see the guy kind of slow up. So no, yeah, you're right though. It has to cross the line. Yeah. I mean, part of what they've tried to eliminate. And we see the highlight of uh, what, what was the fella, um, oh, the Finnish fella for Carolina. Uh, was Which reason, one? Well, no, <laughs> the one, no, back in the day that broke his heel uh, was the reason that this this rule basically came in. Um, but anyways, yeah, so you know, it was a safety measure. No, right? no, I, I understand yeah. that whole. Yeah, part but of it that. has that, to, cro- but it has to cross the line. Yeah, absolutely, it, it absolutely yeah. did not do that. Yeah. So that was yeah. uh, that was, uh, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a liney out there. There's a liney out there that mm-hmm. knows uh, mm-hmm. if the puck actually uh, uh, literally has to cross the goal line for it to be icing. Uh, let us know one way or the other. All right, let's take a break. 741, continue to share your thoughts on the game uh, and on the uh, Sens. Uh, we'll update the playoff race for you in just a second. Uh, t- uh, text us at 12-1200. Tweet at us at TSN1200. Dave Poulin is our TSN Hockey Insider. He's set to join us in about a half hour or so from now. Sens win 5-4 in Seattle. They're in Vancouver tomorrow night and in Calgary on Sunday. And right here on Sports Radio, TSN 1200. This is TSN 1200.
Welcome back, 750. Friday morning, J.R. Simmer. Matty Vallis is in for Hammer, who starts his holiday today. Sens win 5-4 on a late Alex Debrinkad goal in Seattle. They move uh, up the coast to Vancouver for a game tomorrow night. Also a late start, 10 o'clock. It's a 9 p.m. face-off Sunday night from Calgary, and they'll wrap up the road trip on Tuesday night uh, in Edmonton. Just to bring you up to date on the playoff race. Uh, it was sort of a mixed bag on the out-of-town scoreboard. The fact that you at least care about the out-of-town scoreboard at this point <laughs> of the year is new, so you should be happy about that. Legitimately care. Yeah. Like, you're, you're really pulling against, or in the case of the Islander Pittsburgh, uh, not sure what to feel other than the fact it was bad that it got three points. Yeah, you don't want the, those games no. uh, when you got to no. two of the teams you're battling with to go to overtime, and the Islanders got two late goals in regulation and then actually won it in overtime, 4-3 over Pittsburgh. So New York is still six up on Ottawa, uh, the Sens do gain a game, uh, a point on Pittsburgh because they did get a loser point. Pittsburgh did. So Pittsburgh is four up on Ottawa. Uh, the Sens have three games in hand on the Islanders. They're even in games played uh, with Pittsburgh. Um, Buffalo lost 10 to four. <laughs> Man, this, you want to talk about a roller coaster game for oh, the Sens yeah. last yeah. night? Up three, uh, nothing. Down four, three, win five, four. How about the Sabres just season? <laughs> They've had streaks of long losing uh, uh, streaks. Yeah, yeah. They've had long winning streaks mm-hmm. where they're just playing lights out. Now they're in a, f- a funk where it seems like they're letting in about eight goals a game mm-hmm. uh, recently, uh, which is, you know, they're a, they're a young, they're ascending. I still yeah, like there's yeah. tons to like about yeah, Buffalo, yeah. Uh, but right now they're on one of those skids where they just can't keep the puck out of there. No, and really, uh, hey, the formula early in the season, JR, was to outscore teams, and you really looked at this, and without Lukanen and counting on Craig Anderson, all of a sudden Comrie comes in. Yeah, that has really been their Achilles heel. We talk about here in Ottawa losing Forsberg and Talbot, you have to be so thankful and fortunate that, first of all, I think they've been better defensively, but in the case of Sogard, when I watch him play, he is so calm in there. He is so big. I've been nothing but impressed with the way he's handled himself, and that's not the case in Buffalo. Uh, They have not had very good goaltending on many, many nights and have not been very good defensively. So Jeff Merrick, uh, who you see on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday nights, uh, put something out on Twitter this morning, which has uh, people uh, talking. Uh, He is... uh, uh, saying he's hearing some things that uh, something big is potentially going to be going down in Philadelphia as soon as today. And you don't need to be a rocket scientist or, or a monster hockey fan to think that probably it means that Chuck Fletcher is going to get fired, mm-hmm. I would think. Uh, the general manager yeah. of the Flyers, who is under a lot of criticism uh, just based on the state of the team, A, uh, but B, in particular, about the trade deadline last mm-hmm. week in which by the end of, by the time things rolled around to, well, to, to Friday itself, right? Going into Friday with all of the trades that have been made the previous two weeks, uh, James Van Riemsdyk, um, you know, love him or not, was the highest rated guy in the trade board. And the yeah, Flyers yeah. were out of it, and he's a UFA. Uh, he does have, while well, having, you know, he's not having great stats this year, but he, he presumably to some contender would have some value as a veteran goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Fletcher was not able to complete a trade for JVR. Apparently had something in the works with uh, Detroit that was um, uh, incumbent on Detroit being able to trade another player first. And the Red Wings weren't able to do that. And they just ran out of time, essentially, as the story goes. And James Van Riemsdyk, so the Flyers ended up netting nothing out of that. And maybe, and I'm just spitballing here, maybe you agree or disagree, uh, maybe that might result in Chuck Fletcher losing his job. Yeah, I, I thought that the Patrick Brown trade was enough that he would have stayed on. Uh, first of all, always cautious. Know Chuck very well. Met him. 
uh, early 90s when he graduated from Harvard and went to work for Donnie Meehan, of course, as the son of Cliff Fletcher, one of the classiest, kindest people. But unfortunately, Jer, when you go back to the situation in Minnesota and signing Suter and Parisi and, and just a, a lot of kind of up and down, uh, a lot of kind of strange trades, a fair amount of chaos. That's not what Chuck is. He's a real good person, real organized. But in Philadelphia, when I thought, okay, you're going to have a fresh start here. He brings over Brent Flair, who's his sidekick and, you know, good guy as well. Princeton grad, of course, worked here in Ottawa. But then right away for a team that wasn't going anywhere, they made the Hayes signing. I thought to myself, why are you pushing yourself up against the salary cap again, JR, when you just got out of the situation in Minnesota and the rest of it, and you can blame Ron Hextall for drafting and blame everything else, but it just hasn't been very good. And to be quite honest with you, when you look at that hockey team, it's just kind of hard to comprehend where they're going, right? They're, they're neither coming or going. And as far as the JVR thing, yeah. I mean, if that's the reason you get fired, I think this is going to come to a head at some point, but it's gotten so negative there. Now, there's no chance that Torts is going anywhere, right, Jer? Just coming no. in? Yeah, so, yeah, but, but I mean, you know, this has really been, and I also think in the case of John Tortorella, uh, I think he's a very loyal person, and I think he and Chuck Fletcher would get very, along very well, where, you know, you could see some circumstance where a coach comes in, and, you know, the manager all of a sudden is out the door. I, I don't think that would be the case here. Um, but well, in the I, think, case, I think John Tortorella's been very supportive of Chuck that, Fletcher, That's what I mean. Right? So so in this case, it's just, it's just the inevitable. Um, now, the question is, and this is also goes back to the advisors being Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren, and you have Dean Lombardi in there, and you know Dean obviously won Stanley Cups in L.A., but are they finally going to kind of go another direction here? Not a former Philadelphia player. This is actually very reminiscent of, of Edmonton, Jer, where, do you know what I mean? It was always a, listen, no matter who comes in there, it's going to be Kevin Lowe as an advisor. Uh, that's been kind of the same thing in Philadelphia, and will they finally make a separation uh, and hey, hate to see it. Now, like I said, Chuck is just one of the best guys uh, on the planet, but unfortunately, the results have not been there. Yeah, and again, that's speculation on on my part. Yeah, uh, that, that, but it has been. It, you, wait, yeah, I mean, you, trade deadline has come and gone. Yeah, so from yeah. a, a player a player point of view, other than some somebody being signed to a long term contract, which at this point that that ain't it. No, they're not firing John Tortorella. They just hired him. That is really, if you think about it, uh, that's really. You know, if there is something, yeah. we'll stress if, yeah. if there is something to be announced in Philadelphia yeah. today, that would make the most sense. Yeah, but you I, know who would know? Well, who would have an idea? <laughs> Our uh, next guest coming up in about 15 minutes, Dave Poulin. Yeah, well, what's also interesting, and Pooley would never say, and then again, I know he would have a lot of respect for Chuck. Uh, God, I, I would think Pooley would be on a short list. And again, now I'm talking about not having old Philadelphia Flyers, but when you want to talk about a couple of things on timing, if we have a hard time getting a hold of Pooley, we'll know why. Uh, if you're firing a manager now, which I don't think it's a bad thing post-trade deadline, Jer, instead of waiting until the end of the season, but like anything else, when it comes to coaching or anything else, do you just go into search mode? I know Daniel Briere had been talked about. Mm-hmm. He's working in the front office, which I, I think... <laughs> Former flyer. Yeah, could yeah could be a possibility, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting whether it's, okay, we're going to let Chuck and his staff go, and then we're going to go into search mode, or do you have somebody kind of grab a hold of it? I'm I'm leaning towards they're going to go into search mode, but hey, who would not have, uh, and, and Dave Poole and being as respected, but what is interesting, being a former flyer might work against guys right now, because as I said, I think people there are looking for, listen, we got to get something fresh and new here. Now, Chuck Fletcher was fresh and new, um, but this thing, they just flat out JR as well. They got to go into a full rebuild here. You know, they, they just well, don't. Well, the talking out of Philly uh, has always been that the Philadelphia market would not accept a hockey rebuild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And I that just never made sense to me. Only now it wasn't executed very well. Yeah. But think about what the 76ers did. Think yeah. about the process. You want to talk about stripping a franchise yeah. down yeah. to rock bottom and it being at rock bottom for years mm-hmm. and years and years and collecting all these first round draft picks. And uh, they finally hit on Joel Embiid and then started to surround him as he became a great player and as, yeah. you know, an MVP candidate at yeah. this point. But the Philadelphia 76ers in the same market playing in the same building absolutely did a total dismantle and rebuild. And, you know, I'm I'm not here to say, like, who's who's the more popular team? What's the more popular team in Philadelphia, do you believe? The 76ers or the Flyers? I would say the Flyers. Okay. Now, it's, but it's reasonably close? Uh, you know what? I, I guess I shouldn't even comment on that, Jerry, because it, it, nothing comes close to the Eagles. And, and I'll make the comparison. In, in the, yeah, I know. I'll make the comparison in Boston. I'm always shocked at how little the Celtics get. But the Celtics and Bruins are way down in comparison to the Red Sox and the Patriots. And I think in Philadelphia, it's kind of the same thing, and you're kind of fighting for it. But, but I also, I've never really understood that logic, Jair, in a sense of, okay, if you don't, and I go back to Calgary for a long time, if you continue along that same path, and I think it's more and more evident, you do it either really bad or really good, if you're just mediocre like Philadelphia is, you kind of arrive at the same point anyway, right? It ends up straining the business. Like, the fans nowadays... They want to see a blueprint. They're looking across state and seeing Sidney Crosby for a number of years as a high pick and, and Malkin and Flurry and being like, okay, we went to the finals once, kind of smoke and mirrors. Another final the other time was with Hextall and uh, Gar Snow and other kind of smoke and mirrors. Post Eric Lindros, you're going to arrive at the same point anyway. I don't really understand that logic of, hey, the fans aren't going to go through it. Well, they're just going to get tired of the product. And that's really what's happened in Philadelphia the last couple of years. People are just like, listen, I have no idea what direction this is going. Uh, on that late icing call in the Sens game last night, first of all, the Finnish player you're looking for, speaking of Flyers, Yoni Pitkinen? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you. That was in right. Carolina. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the good ref uh, points out Curtis Foster, local yeah. guy, also injured in the race back for the icing. And understand that they put these uh, measures in place so that the linesman, whoever they believe is going to win the race, once they reach the hash marks... Um, then it's if there's going to be a clear winner to the puck, that's when they blow it dead. But my point in uh, it was not so much of who was going to win the race mm-hmm. last night. It was, was the puck actually going to get to the goal line itself? Because it, it had the hard brakes on, and the Seattle defenseman that was going back with Kachuk, I mean, he was doing the best fake I'm skating as hard as I can um, impression that he could. But that, uh, yeah, I don't know that that was even going to reach the goal line, to be honest with you. But anyway, I know lots of people, uh, there's people weighing in on both sides said uh, that uh, it does have to cross the line. Then uh, somebody else pointed out it's the hash mark thing. Okay. And a great rule. I mean, it really has made a lot of sense. And you had this in Europe years and years ago. And what was always funny in Europe, guys, uh, you know, you you had to get used to the fact because everything in, in hockey in Canada was hustle, hustle. You know, the guys there recognize as soon as somebody goes to ice it, they don't even move. Like, they're like, whatever, I'm not going back. I'm not pretending to be hustling. And you'd be like, why, why are you not trying? But much smarter mentality to save your uh, save your energy, and especially when you know uh, the teams can't change now and the faceoff is going to come right back into the offensive zone. It's a 67s game day here on TSN 1200. 67s kick off 3-3, three and three, just one of them at home uh, tonight at TD Place Arena. They're facing Mississauga. It's a 7 o'clock faceoff. Kenny Walls. We'll have the call here on TSN 1200, and then they're hitting the road for Niagara and Hamilton uh, for games this weekend as we head toward the end of the OHL season. So hockey for you tonight, 67 style, 
And then tomorrow and Sunday, it's the Sens uh, as they're in Vancouver tomorrow and Calgary on Sunday, coming off the big 5-4 win over Seattle last night. We'll talk about it with Dave Poulin, our TSN Hockey Insider, who is set to join us after our top-of-the-hour news and sports update, which is coming up next right here on Sports Radio TSN 1200. 